The World Cup on off the ball, covering the good, the bad, and well, the ugly of what's happening in Qatar. Neymar can push the ball between your legs because he just sees things. Subscribe to the OTB Football Podcast feed now. Football on off the ball. With Sky. Get all the football you love in one place across Sky Sports, BT Sport, and Premier Sports. You're welcome along to Thursday's football show, a night of high drama at the World Cup. We are officially writing off the Germans, unless, of course, they decide to take this to the Court of Arbitration for Sport over Germany, over Japan's second goal against Spain, which we've now seen about 50 replays of and can't quite decide whether the ball did actually go out of play or not. Uh, there is no goal line technology there. It is VAR making the decision. And they decided that the ball, as it was being pulled back, didn't go out of play, even though... No part of the ball is touching the line. The curvature of the ball may well be over the line, just an inch over the line. And VAR decided it was still in play and it was pulled back and knocked into the goal. And the big story, if you're just joining us, if you're just hopping in the car this evening, is that Germany are out of the World Cup and Japan have topped Group E. Japan beat Spain, came from behind to beat them by two goals to one. Germany came from behind to beat Costa Rica 4-2. There was a moment earlier where both Spain and Germany were going out. But Japan, despite losing to Costa Rica, have finished top of the group ahead of both Spain and Germany. So Costa Rica will play Croatia in the last 16. And then it is going to be Spain against, remind me who Spain are getting? Morocco in the last 16. And that's because Belgium were knocked out today. Uh, It's been another insane day at the World Cup. I'd like to be joined by Damien Delaney. Good evening, Damien. Hi, Nate. How are you? Have you uh, looked at the replay? Have you looked at 18 replays? Sunes ain't happy about this, I can tell you. um, What's Sunes saying? (laughs) That the the ball was out. It's hard. It's, it's very hard to tell. And I, like, I presume the rule, I don't know, rules change. It's the whole of the ball and the whole of the line, I think, that, that used mm. to be the rule. I well, think that, that's, that, that, the that, rule. that's always been the rule. Yeah. So that, I mean, that's never no, going to change. There might have been a subtle change there. Around, I was saying you know. it's somewhat, it's probably a little bit similar to the John Stones incident, Manchester City against Liverpool a few years mm. ago, that, you know, people say was the one that won Manchester City the title, where, like, yeah. whoa, nine tenths of the ball, if not more, is over the line. Yeah. And in fact, there's no part, because the ball is rolling along the ground there, there's no part of the ball actually touching the line. Yeah. But the outside curve of the ball is maybe still just over it. Uh, yeah. uh, watching the coverage there during the news, Peter Walton uh, was on, giving his expert opinion. So I thought actually initially that there would be that technology that would tell you exactly on all lines on the pitch, whether it was over, whether it was inside or out. Uh, it seems that's not the case, but he was making the point that the goal line technology, because it was so close to the post, that that may actually have helped the VAR, and they may have been able to see through that whether the ball went over the line. Uh, either oh, way, it's never going to be overturned. Yeah. Uh, no, it's, it's not. And do you know what, in fairness, like, I mean, it has to be clear and obvious error. You know, nobody called it at the time. It's ridiculously close. Um, and I think the correct decision, um, just let the goal stand, unless it's irrefutable evidence that it definitely all the ball crossed all of the line, then I think it is probably the correct decision. Listen, Damon, there's nothing I hate more than nations going on about how they were wronged about some decision <laughs> that cost them about the World Cup. Just get over it and move on. I know where this is going. <laughs> get over it and move on. Uh, it, it, so it was an absolutely insane couple of hours I was watching the first half thinking this is a quiet night at the World Cup relatively straightforward both Germany and Spain winning 1-0 at half time 
we'll get on to Germany first, but Spain start this by putting seven goals past Costa Rica. We're looking at Pedri and Gavi and thinking a new generation has arrived that's mm. going to dominate uh, maybe this World Cup, dominate football over the coming years. And they've just been incredibly flat over the last couple of games, yeah. particularly yeah. tonight. Was was that a bit of complacency, maybe sparked by the immaturity of a couple of young players who, who, who think it comes too easy? Yeah. I mean, it's hard. To, it's hard. To, I mean, they were, they, were, they were imperious in their opening game. They were incredibly good. And then they have a really, really good one-all draw against Germany. And then they're kind of in a, in a funny position where they kind of, you know, they think they need a draw to get through. Then they get their noses in front. Um, and Japan just wouldn't let it go. Um, you know, they kept at it. And I tell you what, at 10 past nine tonight, they were out of the World Cup. You know, after 60 minutes, when, when Costa Rica took the lead against Germany, they were out. So they went from being like a contender or someone's thinking that they can be the ones to go on and win this to being out of the World Cup. And they just scrape in by the, by the skin of their teeth. And then you're thinking, could they go and get an equaliser against Morocco and, 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 and give Germany a leg up? And then that would have meant Germany would have would have made it. But then you look at who they're playing in the round of the last 16. I wonder, did someone do the math and think, would we prefer to play Croatia? Would we prefer to play Morocco? And did they just kind of, you know, just sit on, on, on what they had and they realised that, you know, there's no point in us, you know, trying to go and get a, a, an equaliser here, which would put us top of the group. I think all my math is correct there, Nathan. I'm not sure. But yeah, no, I you're right. Was, it did. Now, in fairness yeah. to Spain, it did feel as though they kept pushing till the end. They were still creating half chances uh, right up till the end of the game. The... I, I, we haven't had time to do the uh, statistics going all the way back to 1930. I do wonder how often the thing of, oh, well, we're avoiding Croatia, we're getting Morocco, how often that actually works out for teams long term. Like Spain, yeah, you're as flat as you are tonight. Morocco have just finished top of the group. Maybe it's mm. not that straightforward. Like Croatia, you know, been average enough so far as well. Yeah, absolutely. And this is, this is like, for me, this is where the World Cup gets good. You know, I mean, it, it, it's nights like tonight, you know, um, because it was my World Cup experience for the last uh, week or so has been kind of, I uh, kind of come in, watch a couple of games, watch a little bit here and there, watch maybe a highlight show late. But it was very, very kind of passive. Um, but I think tonight was the night where I was actually stood in front of the TV um, and, and, and trying to do the math in my head of who needs what. Um, and I think this was probably the, the moment that sparked me into this World Cup now because it is... Uh, do or die, especially for a lot of teams now <clears throat> for the the third group game, and obviously the knockout stage just starts. So I think now is is probably the moment where I, my my interest will be peaked, and I will be scheduling my day around um, getting home to watch World Cup games. What do you make of the decision to play Rodri at the back? Um, I, I didn't watch the Spain game tonight, so I'm I'm not entirely sure. I only just saw a brief few highlights. Is that where he played at centre back? Mm, alongside Po Torres. Yeah, interesting that. They obviously have Sergio Busquets in the middle of midfield. Yeah, obviously, yeah. And and I suppose maybe uh, who's Eric Garcia uh, was the centre-back, I think, that's in their squad. Um, I'm not sure about that, but, I mean, Rodri's more than capable to play at at centre-back, but it's a big ass when that's not his natural position. But maybe he's been doing well in training and he just wanted to get him in the the team. Um, But I'll watch the highlights of the game later and see how that one panned out. But I think that could be the first and last experiment like that. Um, But it'll be interesting to see how that plays out. So what about Germany? Obviously, because of their history at the World Cup, it will seem uh, as a massive shock that they go out in the group stage. But German football at international level, it feels as though it's been a struggle for quite a while now. Is it just when you look at that 11 that there isn't the quality? Yeah, I, um, I think there's, 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 there's certain amounts of quality in that, in that German team. 
but I don't think they're stacked with, with 11 real top-tier players. Um, uh, I, I can't wait to see how Musiala develops over the next number of years. He was brilliant tonight. That was the game I watched, the Germany game. Um, I thought he was incredibly good. And he's 19 years of age, and he was the one that was driving Germany forward. He was the one that was creating chances. Um, but then you kind of look at the centre-back area, Sula... We're always kind of not sure about him. He always seems to get it done. And you have Rome playing at, at, at left back. You look at um, uh, Sane, how much has he got to give? He always, I've watched a lot of his games in the Nations League this year. He never looks too, I would say bothered, but he never looks too motivated. He never looks like he's killing himself or he's doing all that he can do. He's just comfortably playing in third gear, which is which is adequate. Um, Gnabry, maybe put Gnabry in that type of a bracket, but you always think there's more in him as well. Um, and, and then you look at Thomas Muller, as good and all as he is, should he be anywhere near that German team? But if they're not producing the young players or the young players haven't developed quick enough to, to push these players, um, but I could imagine there being a big um, inquest post uh, this World Cup and, mm. and, and a kind of a, a rejig of German football and a, a kind of a, a reintegration of, of a certain type of player and a re- rediscovering their identity because they do just look a little bit patchy and I think it probably all just got away from Hansi flicking the build up to it and there was probably an attitude of it'll be alright on the night um, possibly with them um, but it wasn't uh, and they really really did pay dearly for that, that that opening day defeat to Japan I mean you know they got a, a credible draw against Spain um, did reasonably well and tonight they were pretty good I mean they deserve to win uh, comfortably I know Costa Rica took the lead but they were really really good tonight they hit the post they created loads of chances then Musiala was was incredible I think they had 24 25 well, shots was he playing so. as the number 10 tonight yeah and he was just so good honestly I, I, like outstanding what's he doing Ah, dribbling. He's got these twinkle toes in the box where he's just driving forward, running forward, a real engine on him, powerful running, dynamic running, arriving late in the box, traveling with the ball, picking it up, jinking on the edge of the the opposition box, taking people on, trying to get shots away, a real energy about him. Um, and for a kid that's 19 years of age, he's going to do, his development is something I'm going to keep a close eye on over the next uh, number of years because I think he's going right to the top. Uh, that. German uh, revamp would need to happen pretty quickly because they're hosting the European Championship in 18 months time Uh, Mm. so they'll need to get it together and you'd imagine it probably is the end of the road for quite a few of those players are you a two screener on nights like this are you flicking between the two of them or do you just like to concentrate no No. yeah I like to concentrate no I know um, with the the permutations I was keeping an eye on on my phone um, just uh, what was just I'm on the apps just what of the scores that were coming in but I'd rather sit down and watch the highlights of the Spain live a little (laughs) <laughs> That's what it's all about he said I'm enough to be playing now if, if my missus walked in and saw me watching one on the laptop one on the TV <laughs> and the potting mat on the floor in front of me <laughs> <laughs> there's only so much you can concentrate on yeah absolutely uh, so I think you were you were probably open enough beforehand that you weren't sure what to make of this World Cup and obviously there's so much football it's yeah. been so relentless that you probably yeah. hadn't found the buzz for it now that you're finding your way into it what has stood out for you over the last few days Um. I suppose um, teams. I kind of had this kind of theory that, like, maybe maybe a lot of teams are struggling to to, to switch gears, you know, um, from the short turnaround. There was no build-up time um, for the teams coming into it. You know, they all played in their domestic leagues one weekend, and the following weekend they're in in Qatar. And, and ordinarily, you know, teams would have four or five-week build-up, and there was a chance to get into it. They were had lots of work done on the training ground. They were away on these camps, and and everybody was fully, fully focused. I just think it was a little bit kind of rushed. All the teams were 
crowded in. They flew out to Qatar, um, getting themselves settled. Were training. There was no time just to kind of to, to switch gears. Is kind of the the the, the phrase I'd use. Um, and that's why a lot of teams got caught cold. The likes of Germany and, and Argentina. Well, Roberto um, Martinez, right from the start, even when they won their opening game, was saying mm. he felt it was a major factor for Belgium that they only arrived on the Tuesday. That yeah. at, at that stage, he was uh, quite positive that they would build into the tournament and get better as it went along. Obviously, they were knocked out today, so that wasn't the case. So, is it something you would expect that the teams that, that have made the knockout stages, like, they're not going to have much time in the training ground? No, so they're, they're, do, they're going to... They're going to get it going, as, as Roberto Martinez says. We're there. They, they want to build into the tournament. They want to know they're starting to, to have their team meetings, um, you know, to spend a lot of time together, immerse themselves in the environment. Um, and I suppose with the likes of Argentina, that opening day defeat would really have like focused their minds and just thought, "Wow, we ain't got any time here to, to build into us." Belgium got caught, Germany got caught, Argentina seemed to have just gotten away with it, and I'd expect them to get up to speed. But I just think it's just a, a case of the players just getting mentally focused on the World Cup. You know, there's an awful lot happening media duties it would have been whirlwind from one weekend to the next um, and it's two completely different environments um, and I suppose the ones that have kind of survived that the likes of Argentina um, they will get themselves going and the players will be able to get focused and, and, and get stronger so even after the opening day defeats I was always kind of of the opinion that these teams I wouldn't discount them just yet when you look back through history there's been plenty of teams have lost their opening game and gone on to, to, to win the World Cup or lost a group game or, or, or an important game and gone on to, to, to win the World Cup so um, look I just think that it's a unique experience. It's a Winter World Cup. There's so many variables um, and it's new for everybody, players included. So I I kind of agree with Roberto Martinez there. Uh, It didn't work out for Roberto. He stood down as Belgian manager Mm. after uh, the game today. Uh, We were debating earlier about the golden generation of Belgian players as to how much they had achieved finishing third at the last World Cup, been beaten by the eventual winners at the last Euros and the last World Cup and whether we expected too much from them. Obviously, so many of their best players have played their best football in the Premier League, and maybe that skews our view and what they can achieve. When you look at that Belgian side over the last five, six years, would a, a greater manager than Roberto Martinez have elevated them to a higher achievement? Well, I think the thing that always stuck with that, that Belgian team is, is, is how often they're world number one. They seem to be world number one for about five years, you know, from maybe 2015 right through to, to 2020. They always were there or thereabouts in impeccable qualifying records. They never could get it done. And look, I think 2016, 2018 and 2020, those tournaments were, were that golden generation. Nobody really expected anything of Belgium. Now, I think they probably would be entitled to expect to get out of the group. But you could see that the likes of Witzel, um, you know, a lot of miles on the clock there. Uh, Vertonghen and, and Alderweireld, you know, um, they're no longer playing their trade in, in the Premier League. They've kind of over the hill a little bit and they're kind of on the downward curve of their career. Kevin De Bruyne can never really seem to get it going for, for, for Belgium in the same way that he does in Man City. Why and is that? Look- because John Giles was on earlier saying like tonight was the perfect comparison of on the one side you have De Bruyne on the other side, you have Luka Modric, who mm. is coming from a similar situation in Real Madrid, where while he's still surrounded by very good players of Croatia, nowhere near the calibre, yet he drives that team. He controls that team. Whereas Kevin De Bruyne publicly has undermined his team over the past week by you know saying publicly that they're too old. And also on the pitch, never feels as though he's going to grab the game by the scruff of the neck when he's in a Belgian jersey. 
Yeah, I think I think that's probably just um, him feeling comfortable at Manchester City. Um, you know, he, it's his it's his environment. It's what he works in, and maybe he's just finding it hard to transfer that form from his club to, to the country. Um, and also, can the truly that, great uh, players not do that? Uh, I would agree with you. Yes, the truly great players could come in and, and transcend all that, like Diego Maradona in, in, in 1986. I'm not putting Kevin De Bruyne in Maradona bracket before anyone says that, but that type of um, kind of uh, personality can can grab a team. But but if we're being honest, that Belgian team was finished after the world after the Euros in 2020, um, and they haven't recycled in the same way that we're talking Germany are going to have to do now. But I suppose Roberto Martinez was probably more in hope than anything else that these guys had one more tournament in them. But as soon as you saw their squad, you could tell that it was it was it was nowhere near it. Especially look at their centre backs; their form was patchy enough. Um, you know, in 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 the lead up to the World Cup, I know they came to Dublin and we got a, a good result against them, but they weren't the the marauding world number one team. Um, and their generation passed them by. As I think he stepped down tonight. I think Martinez. So um, somebody else is going to have to come in there. And I hope to God that they haven't neglected their underage systems, um, and they can build again and, and hopefully build a, a team capable of contending. Uh, poor old Romelu Lukaku has been injured pretty yeah. much all season. He comes on for the second half, and he has the chances. He hits the post mm. at one stage. Uh, there's a header, funny, a quite a similar situation actually to the goal that was given for Japan. Kevin De Bruyne pulled it back, and it was over the line. Uh, that one was headed over the crossbar, and then a strange one where it just bounces off his chest three yeah. yards from goal. Uh, like Lukaku, it feels in a way sums up that generation and the confusion around how good they were and how great they were. He's been so brilliant at times during his career, mm. but struggled to deliver on the big occasion. I presume you played against him plenty of times. Like at the fo- a sort of forward, you'd you'd worry about the night before about what he was going to do to you. You would. I mean, he was obviously incredibly, incredibly strong. Um, the times I played against him was when he was at you know um, Everton um, and obviously at Manchester United later. But at Everton, he was fit. He looks like the type of player that if he's not playing or training regularly. His, his fitness or his, his shape falls away very, very quickly. We all remember those shots at Manchester United um, over his, his time there where he was chronically out of shape. Visibly, um, he wasn't um, um, in, in the conditions he should be in. So he looks like the type of guy that if he's out injured or he's out of favour, his, his kind of his off-field life uh, deteriorates and that's why he, he gets into that type of condition. Um, and obviously, he's not been involved much in Italy um, this year and I think that's it he's the type of guy that has to be playing week in week out made to feel like he's the main man fans love him that's what he got at Inter when he went and he had that spell there under Antonio Conte Antonio Conte is the type of manager that could get into Lukaku and make him feel brilliant and, 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 and give him the motivation to stay in shape um, so look look, he's a decent player Lukaku he's obviously he's a handful I would never say that, that it was ever easy playing against him he was incredibly strong quick direct Um but obviously, he he um, he seems temperamental, not in a in a deliberate type of way, but in kind of you know mentally, he's obviously what's the term I would use here? It fluctuates for whatever reason. Um, you know, when he's good, he's good, but when he's bad, everything falls apart. Would there be a lot of players like that if they're not at one hundred percent peak fitness? There's too big a fall off. Um, no, very rare. You'd you'd get that. I mean, most players now are just it, it's it's bred into them. You know that they look after themselves, even when you're not in the team or you're not playing well. It's just a natural thing um, where you stay focused. But I suppose maybe he's had that in him, but he's always scored goals. Or somebody would always look at him and say, you know, if we get him fit and we get him firing, 
he's, he, you know, he's, he is a, he can be a world class head forward. He proved that at at at, at Inter um, that year they won the the league, and at times at Everton he was unplayable. Um, so look, not really. But I suppose centre forward to score goals will always be given more of a pass than anyone else. Um, managers will always work hard to get someone in because scoring goals is so good. Finding a goal scorer is so difficult to do. Um, so managers will obviously be a bit more patient with him and think that I'll be the one that can get him going. But um, when things aren't going well from it, it looks like he just falls apart. So England are through to the last 16, uh, play mm. Senegal on Sunday evening. Conversation feels somewhat similar to uh, Euro 2020 and you know that draw against USA, a, a massive negative reaction uh, to the style of football, to the fact that Phil Foden wasn't in the team. Have England developed in any way since Euro 2020? No, um, Gareth Southgate has his, has his way of playing. Um, he has his um, ethos, I suppose, of tournament football. Um, and he just does enough. He will never go out and open up and, and go after a game and, and throw down a marker and say, you know, we're England, we're here, um, and, and, and we're contenders. You know, he will always plot his way, pick a team that he thinks will get a result, and he believes that one goal is enough. Um, you know, the Iran game aside, you know, they came in and absolutely bulldozed them. Then it went back to, 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 to the USA game where it was like, a draw probably gets us through, or a draw will be enough. And and then the Wales game, it was, it, 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 you know, the, the first sixty minutes until they scored the goal, it was a pretty drab affair. And you know, England were just not taking any risks. They weren't taking taking any risks or risking anything in terms of Wales getting getting a goal because he knows how important confidence is, and he knows that if they can stay solid at the back, they have goal scorers, they have good attackers. Um, but he's not going to open up and, and and just blitz it for a variety of reasons, really. So is Harry Maguire a good defender in the right system? Yeah, and that's that's why. Like as soon as as, uh, as soon as uh, he picked a squad and Gaz and Gaz okay picked Harry Maguire, you knew straight away that he wasn't going to deviate. I think the crime um, of 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 for England was the fact that they didn't think, let's go and get Tamori. And I know Mark Way, he played a couple of games mm. as well. Or they didn't look at that and say, we need to find a prototype, modern-day centre-back that's comfortable in open spaces, comfortable on the halfway line in a 1v1, you know, 2v2. Um, because that way, then, you can play one number six in, in Declan Rice. You can play with, um, you know, Trent Alexander-Ireland. It's why Trent doesn't play well for England. Um, you know, we saw in, in lots of Nations League games leading up to this where he played a flat-back five. I think it was Italy in one of the games. And he played Saka as a... He was listed as a left wing back, but he played left back in a back five, you know, right next to, to 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 Harry Maguire, and he never once looked like he was getting forward. So I think that's the default mode for for Gareth Southgate that he will just say, "I have Harry Kane, one of the best goal scorers in world football. If I can keep a clean sheet, keep it tight." I know I'll get goals, but I'm not going to put us in a position where, you know, especially now we're in the, the knockout phases where, like, you know, a bad half and you're going home, you know, and if he decides, you know what, against Senegal, I'm going to open up here and I'm going to take the game out of scruff and I'm going to dominate possession, create chances, and we're going to force the issue here. And then they get hit in the counter-attack by the, the Senegal, Senegalese and now all of a sudden it's panic stations. Maybe something similar to, you know, what happened with Roy Hodgson against Iceland in 2016, where it was just like a goal out of the blue, and England couldn't recover, and all of a sudden panic set in, um, and they they didn't have the wherewithal to, to 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 recover. So I just think that moving forward for England, you know, they have so many attacking number eights, number tens, inverted wingers, whatever you want to do to get all, to get all them in the team. 
you know, you need, you know, fullbacks are going to join in, Trent Alexander, Luke Shaw. You want to play with, if you want to play with three number 10s in, in, in Mount, Foden and Grealish and then Harry Kane up top or you want to have some variation like that. So maybe like a 4-1 a, a, a um, or a 4-3, whatever you want to call it, and then get Harry Kane at the top end of the pitch. That would be the best way to go about it for England. But for that, I think, you know, you would need to Mori in the team. He's certainly capable of doing that. I've watched a lot of him at, at, uh, at AC Milan. Um, but I just think that, you know, they'll, they'll, they'll get by Senegal. They'll do just enough. Then they'll play France in the last eight. And I would bet my bottom dollar it'll be a flat back five. Um, you know, with, um, and I mean a flat back five with Calvin Phillips and Declan Rice as the two number sixes. And then they'll play Raheem Sterling and Mason Monk and Harry Kane. And it'll be, you know, similar to what they did. So you don't Europe. think Phil Foden's performance against Wales is going to guarantee no him his place for the rest of the tournament. He, he and might do play you go him. along with that argument that uh, some people have made that like there's no other team in the tournament that wouldn't play Phil Foden, that wouldn't play arguably their best player? Yeah, we see Phil Foden might play when he plays one number eight. You know, I'm just saying Mount, Grealish or Foden. Foden might play. Mm. But I think Gareth Sokit would be so... Um, focused on defensive side of it you know when we're out of possession falling back into a, a defensive minded position where you're even if you're not tackling you're filling passing lanes or you're just doing a job on stopping a number six changing the play something like that and so he might play Foden but it'll only be one of them you know he won't play you know Saka won't be in the team at, at, at left wing back or you know it'll be Luke Shaw and it'll be Luke Shaw stay right next to Harry Maguire and it'll be John Stones in the middle it'll be Kyle Walker right side of three and then it'll be Kieran Trippier that's your flat back five Phillips Rice is your two number sixes and it'll be like let's frustrate the French let's you know go them into committing too many bodies forward and Harry will nick us a goal absolutely and we'll get out of there at one nil I don't think there's any universe or, or, or world where Gareth Southgate thinks they're going to go and take on France go toe-to-toe with them and outplay them uh, So on the French then like Kylian Mbappe has been the superstar of the tournament so far and it feels as though every time he gets on the ball he wants to make something really special and memorable happen and like if it is England uh, against France in the quarter-final how do you stop Mbappe if he is in the mood that he looks to be in, if he's in the form that he's in, do you just sit as deep as possible? Yeah. Give him no space? Like, is he is he at a level now that even that won't stop him, that he'll just find a different way of, of breaking through you? I, I think he, he has that capability, but what I described there of like the flat back five and two number sixes and just denying him all space, um, you know, and anytime he wants to make a run in behind, even if he runs off the back of Trippier, it's Kyle Walker he's running onto. And if he gets past Kyle Walker, John Stones is there, and it's just a sheer weight of of numbers. But the big issue you have with the French, or the the, the 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 beauty from the French point of view, is I think Griezmann's been very very good in this tournament, you know. Um, and then you have the pace stretching in behind of Kingsley Coleman and 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 Mbappe, but Griezmann's role just floating, just picking up pockets of space it's almost like you know you go and do your thing and, and try and commit midfield players try and bait defenders to come out and close you down and hopefully the pockets will open up and then we'll have the the penetrating runs of those two wide players and then you have the focal point of of um, Olivier Giroud so the French are really well stacked um, but I think that the English when they play against Mbappe you know they're just going to put Kieran Trippier right back and Kyle Walker at right side of three centre-backs and then just say, well, between you two, you should be able to deal with it. Um, but I think the French have got much more than just Kylian Mbappe. And even if you did crowd him out and make it very, very difficult for him, um, you know, they have other weapons where they can score goals as well. They have a lot of options at centre-half as well, the French. 
Yeah, absolutely. And, and Varane obviously rotated in there for one of the games. Good to see him back. So, you know, you could think of him playing at centre-back and then you got Kamavinga, a truly brilliant central midfield player. Um, so, look, they, they have a lot. They really have a lot. I'd say you didn't expect to turn on the TV last night and see your former teammate Steve Mandanda lining out in the World Cup. I know, crazy, absolutely crazy. A really good fella, actually. Um, rocked up at, at our place in 2017 or whatever it was. Didn't last long, to be honest. It just, um, I think he got homesick or he wasn't, he wasn't feeling the best. But um, really nice fella, really nice fella. Um, spent a little bit of time with him, a little bit of broken English, but really nice fella. And I'm delighted to see him. You know, he has his World Cup medal. Um, and obviously, no, he's, he's he's part of the squad as well. Uh, better than your other teammate. Have you, is there only two? I was trying to figure out how many players who are playing at the World Cup that you've played with. The only other one I could see, poor old Wayne Hennessy. Oh, yeah. yeah devastated for him. Um, <laughs> I mean, like, yeah, look, um, he got caught badly. Um, and um, I, I felt really bad for him because um, he's, he's, he's a nice fella. He's a gentle giant, Wayne. Um, there's no no malice in it but it was a red card the way he came out and as soon as you don't make contact with the ball and you're, you're that wild um, it's just unfortunate it happens you know he was just a split second late with his decision just couldn't quite get there um, and, and it was a deserved red card but look he's a big boy Wayne and um, you know he'll get over it I, I'm sure uh, So what else has stood out anything else you kind of looked at and thought you know what that's interesting didn't expect that uh, The Portuguese they're my they're my um, they're, they're my guys my little Outsider in inverted commas, I suppose. I know they're not an outsider because they're a they're a, a, a tier one nation. But um, what really thought. happens in the dressing room when Ronaldo's trying to claim that goal? A like, jokes, to be honest with you. You know what I mean? Everyone's laughing at Cristiano Ronaldo there, saying because I, I promise you, every other player in, in in that change room doesn't care. You know, Cristiano, you can have it if you want. We don't care, and he'll be the one begging over it. He'll be the one, and it'll be a, it'll be a, a, a theme, a joke. Um, you know, I'm pretty sure that when they arrive home, they'll someone will have like an afro wig or something, and just saying, you know, if your hair was a touch longer, then you might have, you might have uh, had it, or you know, so so something. It'll be humorous, absolutely. The players will just be laughing at him um, and his desperation to try and claim a World Cup goal. So um, no, there's there, there's nothing major. That's just Cristiano being Cristiano. But I like the Portuguese. Ah. I like their, I like their balance. I like their setup. Right. I like the way they're, they're 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 looking. You know, they're probably a team that can absorb someone like Cristiano. Um, you know, they got lots of legs in midfield. Technical players that can retain the ball. They don't really need a number nine that runs in behind or fronts up to to, to link the play. Um, you know, he just needs to keep himself in between the width of the goal, hang around the penalty spot. Um, and they got a good squad. They're well stacked at centre back. Um, they got some fabulous players on the bench when you look at Leo and Joe Mario so I, I, I just I've got a nice feeling about them I'm not saying they'll win it but I think they'll go a lot further than than, than any of us think Yeah and the draw may well with Spain I think now we're going to end up on their side so it could be a Spain-Portugal quarterfinal potentially uh, depending yeah. on how it all works out uh, Ruben Diaz obviously I'd imagine a key part of that just before we go and has been by large first choice and been Manchester City's best centre back over the last couple of years since at times this year that maybe he hasn't quite got to that level do you think some of those guys are just we're just waiting for this we're waiting for the World Cup uh, what in terms of their form at Manchester City mm. no I don't think so um, not at all no um, you know these players are just it's year round football for them I think that's one thing that that that, that kind of fail to, to to see is that these guys are just on the go they get a couple of weeks off in the summer and there's Nations League now and there's, they're playing twice a week so they're going to have periods where they're 
not in peak, you know, condition. They're not the the, the rampaging or marauding centre backs that we've seen. Same with Van Dijk. You know, they're going to have down periods. You know, and the thing about Diaz, he's probably in the middle or was in the middle of a down period at City, but he still wasn't making any mistakes. He was still extremely um, comfortable and confident in what he was doing. He just wasn't, you know, at the the peak of it. And for us to expect these guys to be like that for, you know, 350 days out of 300. 65 is, is is a touch harsh um because the physical and mental toll that it takes on their body and mind is 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 is, is incredible so look ruben diaz is, is a world-class tier one premier uh center back in world football and and i think portugal are going to need him um to be that type of form if they're going to go far all right damien great stuff brilliant man Damien Delaney Thanks. there with us on the football show. All our football brought to you by Sky. All the football you live in one place across Sky Sports, BT Sport and Premier Sports. Football on Off The Ball. With Sky. Get all the football you love in one place across Sky Sports, BT Sport and Premier Sports.